Well, thank you. Yes. I'm very grateful too. Just a really moving time of worship this morning too. It was in the nine as well. I found myself a little teary. But I'm just thankful. I'm really thankful for everything that God has done for us, for his grace. It all comes down to his grace, doesn't it? We could just preach on that. But we're going to talk about something. Well, it's all about that, right? So good morning. Welcome. And because, uh, you know, where, where we are, Christmas is done. And like Kurt was talking about, we're facing down 2020 coming up in a couple days, right? It's so we're at that familiar time of year that we always get where we're looking back over 2019 and looking forward at what's coming next. And it can be really exciting. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And as I was thinking about that in prepping for today, it reminded me in, in the weird way that my brain does, but it reminded me of a movie that I grew up watching uh, about the Jamaican bobsled team. <laughs> now you're curious. Like, what? <laughs> Thank you. You, you, you. You're a little early, but that'll happen in a couple paragraphs. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, who has seen Cool Runnings? Yeah. Okay, good. So I'll, I'll explain it for you just in case you didn't know. But this was uh, loosely based on the true story of the, the uh, 1988 Jamaican bobsled team. They put together a team. There's no snow in Jamaica, but they made it all the way to the Winter Olympics in Calgary in 1988. And it's a great movie. And, uh, you know, these guys get there and they're getting ridiculed and bullied because this is weird having a snow team from, from Jamaica. And the the most impacting part, I think, is one of the last scenes. So it's their last run. They're going down the ice, and these things go like 75, 90 miles an hour, these sleds. So they're going down the ice, and they have a cheap sled. So something breaks. And all of a sudden, the sled just starts going all over the place. It flips over. It's, it's awful to watch. They're, you know, their heads are under the sled. They've got helmets on, and it's just scraping along the ice, and they're going and bouncing all over the place, and everybody's horrified. And the thing screeches to a halt short of the finish line. And just like the rest of the movie, the team leader, Doris, says to his friend, Sanka, Hey, Sanka, you dead? (laughs) Now, the whole rest of the movie, Sanka would always say, Yaman, right? Like, Like you were saying, right? But this time, because it's inspirational, this time, Sanka says, No, man, I got to finish the race. That's my, uh, it's my Jamaican accent. I even, I, I didn't realize, but I wore the Jamaican bobsled team colors today. <laughs> so it's this moving scene. He says, no, I got to finish the race. And all these guys crawl out from under this thousand pound sled, hoist it up on their shoulders. And everybody's cheering and clapping and cheering them on. And those who had ridiculed them before are singing their praises now. And these guys walk this sled across the finish line. And it's moving, and I usually cry at this part of the movie, but I like to pretend that I don't. (laughs) But every once in a while, I kind of wonder, what were they thinking? Was it possible that one of them was thinking, ow, that really hurt, and I got to sit down. Everybody's cheering them on, they're like, oh, thanks, I just, I got to lay down for a bit. And that's... Where it makes it think about makes me think about us, because here we are, the whole culture is cheering us on, 
It's 2020's coming, everybody. It's a new you. It's a time to turn over a new leaf. It's a new beginning. What are you going to do with your life this year? It's going to be exciting and great. But we just got through half of November and all of December. And how many of us are feeling like those guys? I'm like, oh man, I just need to sit down for a few minutes before we start this new year. Right? Is anybody with me? How many of us are feeling like that? And now don't get me wrong. This is literally my favorite time of the year. I love this. I love Christmas. I love the holidays. There, is, there are parties to go to. There's families to see. There's food to eat. There's guilt to be felt for the food that you eat. There's movies to watch. There's music to listen to. It's magical, right? And there's an electricity in the air. And it's exciting. It's so much fun. But we pack so much in, right? And it can kind of leave us feeling a little bit tired, and then also, we've got to talk about the things that people don't like to talk about, that holidays can bring up. I mean, holidays can bring up sadness, right? Holidays can bring up sadness as we remember loved ones who aren't with us anymore. You know, we were talking about Connie this morning. Holidays can bring up financial trauma, and financial fighting, and financial problems. Maybe you found yourself uh, in the place where you're wondering between, you know, do I just not get this gift, or do I go into debt? so that I can get it. It's a hard place to be. And on a side note, what is the deal with advertising companies thinking that it's a normal thing for spouses to buy a brand new car for their spouse? Like, have you ever seen this in real life? It's like, sweetheart, Merry Christmas. I just made a massive financial decision without you, and you're probably going to need to get a second job, but I love you. Don't buy into it, folks. It's not real. <laughs> That's a side note. But financial things can be real troublesome, can't they? And the holidays also bring up weird family drama sometimes, don't they? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate uh, to be able to say that both my side and Amy's family, uh, we really get along really well. And we can really let loose and relax with all of them. And I'm not just saying that because some of them are here today. But... <laughs> But the truth is, getting together with family isn't always awesome for everybody, right? So look at all this stuff that we cram into the holidays, the busyness, all the weirdness, all the difficulty, and it is an excellent recipe for stress and anxiety. And now we're supposed to start 2020 all hunky-dory, right, and ready to go, right? Sometimes does it leave you feeling like, Lord, is this what it's all supposed to be? Is this what it's about? Am I just behind? Is everybody else having fun except for me? But I can tell you, and we can know emphatically, that if we look at Scripture, the Word says absolutely not. That is not what it's supposed to be like. God, God's will for us is not that we are people of stress and anxiety. That's not His will for us in the holidays. That's not His will for us at any time of the year. God does not want us to be riddled with stress and anxiety. It says in Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So God tells us not to be anxious, 
But God tells us to take those things that make us anxious and, and give them to him. To tell him about them and to let him work in our lives through those things. Jesus told us in Matthew 11, he invites us to come to him. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus promises that if we come to him, he will shoulder those burdens for us. He'll help us through, and we can exchange our burdens for his. Don't you want that? Do you want that? Oh, man, I need that. I want that in my life. We all do. The problem is, though, that every single day, the world gives us ample opportunity to be anxious, doesn't it? Even sometimes before your feet hit the floor, there's a lot of great opportunities to stress out, right? And when this happens, Jesus told us, you know, don't be surprised about this. He said in, in John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So how do we do this? How do we take heart? I mean, there's all these things that we got to deal with every single day, right? And it's hard sometimes. But Jesus tells us to take heart. And what he means is have courage. Trust that he's got it under control. He's saying, I know what I'm doing. So today we're going to talk about a few practical things that we can do that we find from Scripture that can help us keep 2020 simple and enjoy it and win in 2020. And the first is simply seek God. Simply seek God. In Matthew 6, Jesus is telling his disciples to not be anxious. It's like it's a theme in scripture or something. He's saying, hey, don't worry about where you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about where you're going to stay. And he tells them, just seek the Lord. Seek God and his kingdom. He says in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So folks, what we need to do is spend time in his presence. Seek him, learn his ways, and learn his voice. And there's a few ways we do that. It starts with repenting. It starts with repentance. And that's coming to Christ. If you haven't yet yielded your life to Christ, that's the first step, placing your faith in Jesus and allowing him to convict you of sin, but then allowing him to forgive you of all of your own ways and receiving his love and his forgiveness. It all starts with that. And even if you've been a believer for a while, you know, repentance doesn't just stop. It's something that we continue doing. It's part of that sanctification process. Um, I still repent when I drop the ball, when I mess up. Because we all do, because we're human, right? And repentance isn't just a simple saying, ah, sorry, oh, I'm sorry. No, repentance is acknowledging your ways, acknowledging that you understand that the things that we've done that are wrong are wrong, and then allowing God to show us how to do them differently and how to move on in our lives. Next way that we uh, seek God is by prayer, by praying. Simply pray. You know, we need to devote ourselves to times of prayer. And, and knowing that, that uh, prayer isn't just rattling off our list of, of wants, it's not just our wish list, well, that, but that's not bad. God invites us to do that and to tell us 
uh, and he tells us to tell him what we need. But praying is also sitting in silence with him, listening to his voice, listening to the voice of the Spirit guide and mold and shape our hearts. Um, If you ever struggle with knowing how to pray or being able to pray for longer than five seconds, that was me. Um, If you're squirrely or distractible, here's a great method. It's called the ACTS method of prayer. Has anybody ever used the ACTS method? It's, It's a nice little way to help keep you on track because sometimes it can... You ever sit down and you just kind of feel like, I don't know what to do. Dear Lord, thanks. Uh, you know? So, so here's a great... Keep this in your Bible. This, this can be really helpful. It's an acrostic. Starts with A, adoration. Start off just telling God how great he is. Worship him. Speak out his greatness. Tell him. You know, he, I know he knows this, but it's starting with adoration. And that kind of reminds, our, reminds us as well on who he is. The next part is confession. So that's kind of like the repentance like we just talked about. We confess our sins to God. And it's important to realize that when we confess our sins to God, God does not react in, in anger and in getting all mad at you. The Bible says his kindness is what leads us to repentance. So when we confess our sins to him, we're just acknowledging that we know things that were wrong and we're inviting him in to work with us too. So... Uh, if you've got a problem with somebody at work, confessing your sins might look like, Lord, I'm really struggling with how to deal with this person. They're kind of ticking me off. I know that's not right, so would you help me? Boom. That's a, that's a way to confess and then invite him in and allow him to work in your life. Uh, then thanks. T is for thanks. Thank him. There is a wealth of opportunity for you to find things to be thankful for all around. And if you're struggling, just literally look around. Are you, are you praying while you're driving? Thank God for your car. Are you praying in your house? Thank the Lord for your house. You know, are you praying quietly so that you don't wake your family up? Thank God for your family. And there's all sorts of things around us that, that God has blessed us with. And sometimes they're so simple, it's easy to, look over, to overlook them, isn't it? But thank God. Thank Him for His blessings. And then finally, supplication. It's a real smart-sounding word. But really, uh, what it means is to simply, humbly beg. And this is where God invites us to ask. And again, not just asking so that I can have a billion dollars, but I, I would not turn that down. But, you know, letting God know what you need. You know, ask Him for that. Ask Him for self-control. Ask Him for, for His forgiveness. Ask Him for material needs if you need. But... This can be a great little uh, rubric to, to help us if you're struggling with how to pray. And when you do, don't overcomplicate it. Jesus said in Matthew 6, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. What Jesus is saying is, if your goal in praying is to sound super cool, then you can do that. But that's maybe all that's going to come from your prayer. If you're so focused on sounding eloquent and sounding how you think you're supposed to sound. But I don't want to pray that way. Jesus doesn't want us to pray that way. He wants us to pray honest, from the heart. I want my prayers to be full of faith and belief that God can do the things that we're asking. I want my prayers to be full of passion and just honest from the heart. It's a good thing to consider because I think that a lot of us, I think a lot of people 
don't like to pray in front of other people because you don't like the spotlight, and that's fine. But I think a part of it is also that sometimes we worry that we don't sound right. It's like we all have this image in our head of what a good prayer is supposed to sound like. And so sometimes we find ourselves saying, I don't want to pray. I'll just let Kurt pray. He prays way better. (laughs) You ever find yourself doing that? Like in a, you know, at dinner? (laughs) Do you ever do the things where, you know, first thumbs up, you don't have to pray. And then it's like a losing game. Like, ha you have to pray for dinner. Like, why do we do that? It's like we're afraid to, (laughs) we're afraid to talk to the Lord. But really, I think because of that, I I think that's because we're often worried about what we're going to sound like. And you don't have to sound eloquent and amazing. You just got to talk to the Lord. So we pray. And the, the final thing in that, that we can do is to read the Bible. I know it seems super simple, but read your Bible. There's a lot of good stuff in there. The Lord works through it. Why do we read his word? We read the Bible because it teaches us about who he is. But we read the Bible because it teaches us about people. We read the Bible because it teaches us about ourselves. You find that you learn a lot about yourself as you dig into Scripture. We read the Bible because it arms us for our future. You know, you don't want to get stuck in an opportunity where you need to have your Bible when it's much better to have it in your head, right? I don't want to be caught in a, in a place where I'm like, oh, I forgot what the Bible said. Am I supposed to steal this or not? That's a terrible example. Don't worry, I don't deal with that. <laughs> but David said, David said in Psalm 119, verse 11, he said, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against it. And that's exactly why. Because I want to know when I get into a difficult spot, what does the word say about what I'm supposed to do here? What has God told me already? So we read because of that. Um, think of it, it's because what you fill yourself with is what's going to come out of you. What we fill ourselves with is what comes out. So if, you're filling, if we're filling ourselves with horror movies and vulgar music and spiteful, gossipy, angry talking, then that's the stuff that's going to bubble back out of us. It's just our nature. What you put in is what comes out. And Jesus said, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. So we read our Bible. The next point for your next blank that we can do to keep 2020 simple is we keep it silent. Keep it silent. In Luke 5, we see an awesome story. Jesus had just healed this leprous guy. And all these things start happening. And we pick up in verse 15. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. That's really good. Thank you. Let's read that again. Okay. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. So in this section of scripture, we see Jesus is noticing, you know, his, his ministry is growing and getting momentum. And it talks about how all these people are coming from far and wide. But oftentimes, sometimes worldly success doesn't equal godly success. Just because it looks awesome doesn't necessarily mean that it's what God's will is for us. So it would have been really easy for Jesus to say, wow, this has gone great. There was like a thousand people there last time. I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. But we see Jesus 
decided that he, it was more important to get into the wilderness and get into some silence to allow God to shape and mold his heart and show him what was truly important. Not just what he might have thought or what other people would say is important. And so we need to start doing that. If we start pursuing more silence in our lives, great things can happen. Anxiety can kind of get melted away too as we decide to pursue more, uh, more silence. But if you think about our lives, isn't there just music and TV and movies everywhere? Yes. Right? You get in the car. What usually happens? Turn on the radio. You're in a grocery store. There's often music. Uh, some people keep the TV on all the time. And again, I'm not against all these things. These things are, are, are fine. But what we got to do is we really have to start uh, intentionally pursuing silence in our lives. We really got to fight for it because it's really hard to find actual silence, isn't it? So a few things that we can do to that is, again, pray. Make time to pray and spend time in the Father's presence. Create space. Uh, I brought this up here because this is my day planner. Does anybody use a calendar or a day planner? Yeah, I need this. Otherwise, I will have a lot of fun and not get anything done. <laughs> but one thing you can do to pursue silence is block it off in your calendar. Create some space in your calendar. If this is completely foreign to you, uh, it sounds very counterproductive, doesn't it? But I would challenge you, maybe once this next month, take an hour, go to Woods, get a coffee, and sit at the window and just look. And just let your mind... Do its thing. Just experience some silence and watch people. Look at the creation. Consider how God has created it and he keeps it going all on his own. But create some silence. Because you guys, we're, we're not meant to be machines. We're not meant to do the thing, then the thing, and then a thing, and then a thing, and always, always going. We're meant to have rhythm in our lives and, and we need to find that time when we can have silence and let our brains process some stuff and let our bodies rest. So create some space in your time, uh, in, your, in your calendar. We can meditate. Meditate on scripture. Meditation does not necessarily mean New Age, Eastern religion stuff. Uh, meditation is simply a, an intense focus on something. So find a scripture. If you don't know of one, how about 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And find a quiet space. And just quote the scripture over and over again. Not mindlessly, but keep saying it and think it through. And you'll find that thoughts will start coming and you'll start applying it to your own life. Like, have I given all my cares to God? Oh, wow. The God of the universe cares for me. I never thought about that before. So meditate on a scripture. Sometimes it's not so much about how much you read in your Bible, but how deep you can go on a, on a short section. And the last way we can practice silence really involves taming what is probably the worst destroyer of our silence these days. Any guesses? Yeah, your phone. Now, let me just start off. I am not against phones. They're super helpful. They're super great. I'm totally fine with them. However, they're like a toddler sitting at your leg. Hey, 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 right? Moms and dads, mom. Mom, 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 dad, 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 dad. It's like our phones sometimes, all the time. Is anybody with me? Is it only me? Yeah, right? This thing can be incessant sometimes. And let me put it this way. If we respond to our phones or our devices, smartwatches, whatever it may be, 
every time that it buzzes us, then we are not the boss. But our phone and our devices are the boss. And that should sting a little bit. Because I think we could all, myself included, get a little better at that. If we respond every time it buzzes us, then we're actually not the boss. We are our phone slave. And what we end up doing is torpedoing relationships and, you know, ruining conversations and, and allowing our quiet times to be, to be torpedoed as well because we're constantly looking. Oh, what was that? You know, because we're constantly doing that. But the good news is that these little guys have little features that you can use to help you be your boss of your phone. You can set your do not disturb. I have mine on right now, so it's not buzzing me. And a few people have texted me. But you can set that and you can schedule it. I schedule mine to go on at 9.30 at night and it doesn't come off until 6.30 in the morning so that I can sleep well and so that I'm not getting interrupted in my sleep and so I can have quiet time in the morning without my phone pulling my head out of the Bible. Uh, You can set app time limits. If you know that you're on Facebook for three hours every day, maybe you should set a time limit on it and it can help you. Uh, And then finally, you can take off those little badges. So does does this cause anybody anxiety? (laughs) because the temptation is to look at this and to see those 104,000 emails (laughs) yeah this is not my phone but (laughs) there's there's a couple ways that we can look at it sometimes we look and be like wow there's 104,000 emails but really what our brains often interpret is oh my goodness i have 104,000 things i have to do and they have to be done right now because red is a very intense color and that's very serious We interpret it that way, don't we? So what you can do is you can take those badges off. They're called badges is what they are. You can take those off so you can look at your phone without having, you know, (laughs) blacking out. So be your phone's boss. Uh, I'm I'm fairly passionate about this because I have found great uh, healing for myself uh, from anxiety in, in taming how my phone interacts with me. Uh, so if you want to talk more about that, I'd love to share with you some things that I've, that I've done. It's, it's a great thing you can do. So we keep it silent. Pursue silence this year, folks. And finally, let's keep it compassionate. That's the last blank. We keep 2020 simple by being compassionate and humble. 1 Peter 3.8 tells us, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Ephesians 4.32 says, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, and keep a humble attitude. Nope. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We need to develop hearts of compassion. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to develop hearts of compassion in us. And a heart of compassion is one that looks at others through eyes of grace. Looking at each other through the grace that God has extended to us. And having compassion on other people. Trying to think about, you know, what are they going through? What are other people going through? Rather than just my own thing. Um, As we do that, it helps with stress and anxiety too. And what I'm about to say, I don't mean to demean anybody's battling with anxiety. I still battle with anxiety and it stinks and I don't like it. And I'm learning all all the time. But a lot of times, the harsh reality is that much anxiety involves us 
focusing on ourselves. And again, I don't mean to demean anybody's suffering because it's the real deal. But a lot of time, anxiety is focused on us, is us focusing on us. For me, it's, uh, it's, it's usually things like, uh, what will people think about me? Uh, what if I fail? What if people don't like me? And when I'm not in a good headspace, those are the thoughts that go around and around quite a bit. But if I allow God to develop a heart of compassion in me, I'm, I'm seeing those things become a lot less of what will people think about me, but more, how can I help them? Not so much, what if people don't like me, and a lot more of, what do I have that I can bring that will help somebody else? We need to focus less on ourselves and more on others. God wants us to focus less on ourselves and more on others and to think about what other people are going through and how he has equipped us to be able to help them. And that really, truly also battles against anxiety if you're feeling that. So a great example, for example, I used to be the guy who would judge the parent of the screaming kid in the grocery store. Until... I was the parent of the screaming kid in the grocery store. Is anybody with me? And why is that? Why does it work that way? Because suddenly, when I was that guy, I saw the whole situation from a different side. And I realized that there was a lot more to the situation than I had thought about before. Suddenly, I was able to sympathize with those people, with those parents. And I also realized that at some point... It helped me realize that when my child was having a tantrum that I don't have everything all together. I don't have it all together. And I had to realize too that I don't have to have it all together. And it helps me have compassion on other people. And all I have to do is to love. To show the love Christ has shown us. I'll never forget a particular afternoon that really drove this home. The Lord used it in my life. It was great. So uh, about five years ago, we were in Disney World. And we're in the happiest place on earth, right? And our, our youngest, yeah, you see it coming? Our youngest daughter was showing signs that she was ready for a nap. And she was almost two. So she's in a stroller. So Amy and I talked and th- figured, okay, you take the big kids and you go do some shopping. And I'll just walk Madeline around until she conks out. However, this time, Madeline was not going to go down without a fight. And so she's screaming and writhing and kicking. And I'm walking around the happiest place on earth with the stroller. Everybody's staring at me. And I thought to myself, self, never again shall we judge a parent of a screaming child. <laughs> and funny enough, there was, uh, there was a couple behind me, a young couple, and I heard the, the girl lean over to the guy and say, are you ready for that one day? <laughs> so you see, I helped them. I helped (laughs) in my long suffering. (laughs) Folks, if we allow the Holy Spirit to develop hearts of compassion in us, we will do well to enjoy and to win and to keep 2020 simple. So I don't know where your mental and spiritual clarity and health is right now. We're all in different spots. Like I said before, you know, we've just got through all the holidays, right? But I do know that we don't have to start 2020 beat up like the Jamaican bobsled team was. All we have to do is keep it simple. And Jesus wants to help us with that. And um, as I close here, 
uh, like Kurt mentioned, there, I'll be leading a three-week class in January on anxiety. And if you struggle with anxiety, uh, or if you have a loved one who's struggling with anxiety, we're going to talk about what the Bible says on a few tools to help us. And uh, it's going to be a good time. So if you're interested, I'd love to have you there. But I want to close us now reading a verse that I already read today. Uh, but I want to read the message translation of Matthew 11. I love how Eugene Peterson put this. So as the worship team comes, let me read this over us and just let it wash over you. Let it apply to your situation and to your heart condition right now. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Do you need that? Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let's pray. Oh Lord, it's so easy to get caught up in the culture around us forget that you have called us, Lord, to greater things. And God, I know many of us in here are struggling with stress and anxiety. Many of us have struggled for a long time. Some of us have family members or loved ones who are struggling. But I thank you, Lord, that you are our rescue. And I ask that you would bring your peace into our hearts, please. Help us to seek you. Help us to pursue silence in our lives. Help us to develop hearts of compassion within us. And as we start, you know, signing new dates on our checks in a couple days, start this new year, Father, would you help us to experience your peace in this new year? Thank you, Lord. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. Let's stand up.